Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study your word. It's such a blessing to study your word. We trust this hour into your hand that by your spirit, Lord, you will fulfill your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are going to look at uh, something very important. And if you listen tonight, you will learn something. Pursuit of oneness with Christ Jesus. Pursuit of oneness with Christ Jesus. Takes is John 10, 30. Our Lord Jesus said, I am my father. I want. Now, one of the major things that salvation did for us is to give us oneness with Christ. Oneness with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 16. What? Know you not that he which is joined to and hallowed is one body? For two, said he, shall be one flesh. Flesh. One flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Not one flesh, one spirit. We are joined to the Lord, become one spirit with him. Now, the joining with Christ to be one, Paul called a great mystery of our faith. There are two scriptures that the Holy Spirit called great mystery in King James Version. Others are called mystery. Mystery is a hidden truth. Others are called mystery, but these particular ones, he called them great mystery. Not just mystery, but great mystery. Ephesians 5, 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The great mystery is not the man or woman. The great mystery is still Christ that God is joined to man. Illustrated by marriage. So we can understand this. We can begin to even have a perception of this mystery. Great mystery that God, Christ, is joined to you. You know, if you don't study this, when we talk of salvation, and say he saved us from our sin, that's all. Oh, no, you, you, you need to know more. Oh, boy, you need to know a lot. That's where many Christians end. Oh, he saved us from our sin. Even then, they don't understand what it means that he saved us from our sin. But this is a great mystery, church, concerning Christ and the church. The joining to become one spirit that God will join with a man. Then another scripture where the Holy Spirit called a great mystery is the something really put in a different form. First Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Godliness is a mystery, a great one. So it's not just a matter of, a matter of I want to be holy. No, no, no. He said the godliness is a great mystery that Christ came, that God came and 
and, and, and made man, gave it to man, made it possible for man to live godly life. That this is a great mystery. And it all comes to Christ joining to infuse his life into our spirit so we can live this godly life. Remember, the scripture says that God has, through Christ, given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's not through Ten Commandments. It's not through Moses. It came through Christ. God manifest here on earth, seen by men, seen by angels, preached on earth, received Jesus, received. God came, infused the life of holiness into a man, infused the life of godliness into a man. The Holy Spirit says it's a great mystery. It's not, it's not, godliness is not like, you know, I, I want to be good. There's no mystery in that. It's a great mystery. Brilliant. To, that a man will live the life of God, the Holy Spirit says it's a great mystery. The Bible says angels look at this thing. This unity, this unity and oneness with Christ is what gives us everything. From God. Everything. It's a very important part of our salvation. Very, very key part of this salvation. Again, ask many Christians, oh, we are saved. Saved from us, he saved us from our sin. That's all they know. Year in, year out, year out, year in. That's all they know. They don't know more than this. Even then, like I said before, they don't even understand how he saved us from our sins. They don't understand at all. They don't understand. They do not. Remember, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can't live godly. We can't live holy. We can't pray well. We can't, nothing, nothing is not. So this unity and oneness is what brings this, this, this privilege to us. Privilege of godly life. Privilege of all the blessings of heaven. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It shall be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you, are not, if you are not one of his, you don't have anything with God. You can't. You don't have nothing with God. And so, the key thing is that you have the spirit of Christ in you. The spirit of Christ is called the Holy Spirit too. The Spirit of God, because Christ is God. That's why Christ can be in you and be in you and be in, in so many, because only God can do that. No angel can do that. No demon can do that. Only God. So, but he, but he are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Then the Holy Spirit now says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, that's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is where Christians get confused. They think the Holy Spirit is different. No, it's the Spirit of God the Father. It's the Spirit of God the Son. God is God. One God, one Spirit, one church. So his, his being in you and joining to you may elevate you to where there is no way you would have been gotten there. The privileges he gives us is something you can't achieve by any, by any stretch of imagination. 
It makes you a joint heir with God, a joint heir with Christ. Can you imagine that you're a joint heir with God and a joint heir with Christ? This gives us the benefit of everything he did on our behalf. His death becomes your death. His life becomes your life because you are united with him. His crucifixion becomes your own crucifixion, your own victory. His victory becomes your victory. His resurrection becomes your resurrection. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. His authority becomes your authority. All he owns become yours too. Joint hair. Equal owners. Co-owner. Joint hair means equal ownership. Joint ownership. And when he was going up to heaven, he said, I'm now going to my father and to your father, to my God and to your now, I hear people who say they are praying in the God of social person. I've not seen such ignorance. You don't do that. Jesus said, it's your God. It's your Father. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. That's what I'm saying. Many Christians don't know what salvation means. That's why they deviate into all these drunk and errors. And they practice it because a lot of ignorant people just delve into all that. Miracle seekers. They're not seeking revelation. They're not seeking the truth. Just a bunch of. Very soon you see why people do that. You, it's right here in the back. I'll show you why people do all of this. It's going to, you are going to see it. And then the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7 14, if my people, who are called by my name. What? God said, yeah, they are called by my name. <laughs> it blows your mind. Called by my, he didn't say they are called my name. By my name. James 2, 7. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? I mean, what does it mean that we are called by his name? It simply means that we are identified with him. We identify, it's such, it's such a privilege that God will identify with you and give you the, the incredible honor to, to be identified with the almighty God. It's such a marvelous salvation people that we have that God will identify with you and give you the privilege to identify. He said, if my people, my people, they're called by my name. They are identified by my glory, my name, my character, my power. They are my children. Come on. You blow your mind. My people identified with God. So when you pray, you should understand that you're identified with Christ. And when you stand before demons, you should know you're identified with Christ. So the devil knows that this person standing here is identified with Jesus Christ. It's one with him. He understands the equation right away. But if you don't know it, it will make a fool of you. You stand before difficulties. Oh, this identification gives you that, that confidence. Identify called by my name. Man, if you are called by your father's name, you identify with your father and the family. That's what it means. Wait, we are... One with him. Paul identifies as one with Christ Jesus. In Galatia 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ. Paul, did you say you don't live? Sure. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm united with him. I'm joined with him. I am one with him. I am identified by him. I am called by his name. He's the one. If he's living, I'm living. You don't separate us. I've been crucified with Christ. Remember, his crucifixion is your crucifixion. I don't know if I pronounce it with crucifixion. Whatever you know what I'm talking about. You know, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That means my life is his life. We are not separable. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. I just live by trusting him. Don't make any effort in this thing. Because it's my, we are joined. He is the dominant factor in my life, the dominant influence, the dominant power, the dominant wisdom, the dominant. His, his, his spirit is fused to my spirit. His ability is fused into my ability. Man, that's why sickness will run from you. Because let me tell you something. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Set us free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of Christ fused in your spirit will kill any germ that touches you. We destroy it. Because that's not the will, that's will of the devil. That's the will of the devil. It will, it will ruin it. it. It will destroy it. Because it, it's, it's in you making to will and to do the will of God. The will of God is that you're aware. That's why Jesus took all your infirmities. Means you know this thing. I live by faith in the Son of God. Identify with him. Join together with him. Privilege of salvation. Romans 6, 3. Oh, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ, Jesus, in baptism, right? this baptism is not water baptism. You remember that you, you are baptized into Christ means you become a member of his body. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Baptism, water baptism is done by human beings. But this baptism is the Spirit of God that adds to the church such as I said. He's talking about coming into Christ, receiving Christ, becoming part of his body. It's not what men do. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's called being baptized into Christ. It's not water baptism. Water baptism is what, what you do after you are baptized into Christ. You now come and demonstrate that you died again, identity, and one with him. You died with him, rose with him. You believe it. So we joined him in his death. Yep, because his death become my death because I'm one with him. For we died and we're buried with Christ. See how Paul is saying this unity with him brings me in reunity with him. It's not, it's not just an idea. It's a reality. It's a fact. It's a solid truth. He's not saying this thing with, with hesitation. He's not saying it with, okay, can I check? No, 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 no. He's so bold about it. He's so bold about it. I have, have you forgotten? It's asking the church. Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. If I'm joined with him, then if he died, I died. You can't separate. 
me, you can't separate my leg from me. I'm standing here. Every part of me is standing here. And if I move, they move. So if, if, I, if I'm joined with him, when Christ died, I died. For with that, that's why the Bible called it great mystery. Hidden truth. <laughs> it's truth. Great the wisdom of God that nobody can understand except the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Let me tell you, the wisdom is beyond human understanding. The Holy Spirit said, this is great mystery. It's not just mystery, great one. Divine plan. God planned before the, the world, world was created. That he will leave him. He said to Solomon, I'm going to make my own temple. Where I will live. That Romans 3, verse 4. For we died and we are buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives too. We have been raised like him and have new life since we have been united with him in his death we will also be raised to life as he was. Mystery of godliness. How God brought a, a sinful man dead in sin and trespasses. That's the nature of Satan. And turned him around and made him in the image of God. Created him in the image of God. And gave him all things that pertain to life and godliness. Mystery. Verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ. We should know it. So that sin might lose its power. That's how it works, man. This, this is why I call it a great mystery. That through this union with Christ, sin lost its control over you. But when you don't know that, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You don't understand salvation. See why God brought it back to teach salvation? They don't know what it is. In our lives. Sin has lost its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. You can't say, oh, my problem is pornography. You don't understand salvation. When you do and know the truth, you'll be set free. You walk in freedom. Because this is not a joke. This is not a lie. It's a solid truth. Great mystery, great mystery of godliness that God came to earth to give, provide for man all things that pertain for life and godliness. Seven, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Eight, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. <laughs> it's simple. Very simple. Who did this? God. Great is the mystery of godliness. That God came here, became a man. Angels saw him. People saw him. Being preached today, received in glory. He's talking about Jesus. That's the means of providing godliness to us. Righteousness to us. And the ability. I can do all things through the power that is infused. That the presence of Christ infuses in me. Every blessing of heaven 
has been restored, bestowed on us for just that reason, that Christ is in us. Remember, say, if you don't have his spirit, you don't belong to him. So you don't have all those blessings. Ephesians 1, 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, which is spiritual realm, has already been lavished upon us. Not going to, it's not going to come because you're fasting. Fasting is good. I'm fasting too. We're fasting. But listen to me. You're not going to lavish it on you because you're fasting. You're not going to lavish it on you because you, you don't sleep. You wake up 1 a.m. prayer. She's, she's ignorant. It's not. It's not. Salvation. In salvation, you got all these things. He says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift. Not for whatever you do. As a love gift. People. He didn't say you have to wake up by 3 a.m. to get, make it work. Wake up by. I don't know even when. How do people able to, able to wake up every day by 3? They must have headache. At the point they develop high blood pressure and they fight the devil. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished. But lavish is not in treco. Abundantly above all you can imagine. Lavish upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because he sees us wrapped into Christ. So, so, <laughs> done. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. That's why we are preaching Passover. Do you know what you're passed into? Look, immediately it was 2022. People were hugging, but I've never seen people hug for this. I've never seen somebody get excited and do some dance and say, whoa, man, this is what I passed into. Are you kidding me? Now, which one is more important? Is it the physical year or the spiritual thing? Ephesians 2, 6. He raised us up with Christ, the exhausted one, and we ascended with him. Because we joined with, with him, we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of heavenly realm. That's where you are. That's where I am. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. 13. Yet look at you, you now. Everything is new, although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. Again, you didn't come close to him because of anything. Sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ because the blood of Jesus purified you and got you ready for this united. Verse 18 says, and now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to God to, to come before the Father. Direct access, because we're united with him. Remember, you're wrapped in Christ, united. So when you come before the Father, he sees his son. He sees you wrapped. He said, yeah, this is my beloved son, in whom I will please. And then Jesus said, my Father loves you the way he loves me. So when you stand there, he sees you wrapped in Christ. Salvation gave us all these privileges. 
Now, marriage was used as a physical something to illustrate to us our union with Christ. Marriage. Ephesians 5, that one. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they, they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. So it's using marriage to illustrate our journey to Christ. And I want to talk to us Christians. Marriage is very, very serious matter. <laughs> marriage is a very, very sacred institution. God used it to illustrate his union with his church. Don't toy with that. It's a very sacred Ephesians 5.22. Now, let's see how Paul uses marriage to illustrate you and me and Christ in, his, in this union of we being the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. See? Once it says this, it's, it, 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 it brings in Christ immediately to illustrate. He said, yeah. He said, wife, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ now. Every time he says this, he brings Christ to illustrate it. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their husbands in everything. This is not a, this is an American American court. This is not a, this is not mainstream thing. The world will laugh at you, but Jesus is coming. Ah, he's coming. He is coming. He is coming. Those who laugh at him, they will see who he is. Don't follow this world. Don't let them influence you. Their God is not your God. Okay, so verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 25. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Even as Christ. I mean, you could see the comparison side by side. Even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So he uses the word to sanctify and clean us. 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. You see the mystery of godliness showing us how he makes us godly. He uses the word to sanctify, to clean us. That's like we're studying now. This salvation thing is cleaning your wrong thinking and your wrong, wrong beliefs and making you line up with what is the truth. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any sort of thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Great is the mystery of godliness. 
It's not, I want to be holy thing. Great. See what Christ is doing to the bride. Cleaning it. Washing it. Making it pre- pre- prepared. Removing wrinkles from it. Beautifying it. He is the one doing this thing from beginning to the end. He who started the good works in you, we finish it. I don't know why it's too hard for people to understand this. So he's the one to present us spotless and without blemish. 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone, united with him in spirit, just as husband and wife are united in flesh. So use marriage to illustrate our union with Christ. Now, what it means is we must accept him willingly, just like marriage is not by force. You must accept him willingly and believe in his name as your Lord and Savior. John 1, 12, that as many as received him willingly, Received him, gave you power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. That is the Lord, that is their Savior. Those that believe in his name, those that receive him, not by force, willingly. You don't, you don't receive a husband or wife by force. It has to be a willing thing. Very willing thing. Which, have, which we are born not of blood now, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Number one. Now, being a bride of Christ demands loyalty to him. Unity. If you are married and you are working for, every married, married needs you to work on it. If you are married, married and you want your marriage to thrive, there is loyalty now. There is faithfulness now. It's all part of it. So it demands loyalty. It demands faithfulness to him. Now, this is uh, Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You can't come and say, I'm married to this man, but I love this man, love this man, and I love this man. Because you know, it doesn't work like that. If, if, I'm, if you're my bride, I demand your loyalty and faithfulness in your love. I demand it. Because your love determines what you do. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your love goes. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth me after me, is not worthy of me. Is this something this, Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, 31, that Jesus repeated here in Matthew 10, 37. The same thing. It's not, it's not different. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father... Jesus said, he that loves a father and mother, more than me, is not going to be my disciple. Look at it here. A man leaves his father and mother. 
and shall be joined unto his wife. So he said, in this marriage, you have to forsake your father and mother too. You have to, because in the natural marriage, it's demanded. In the spiritual marriage, it's also demanded. It's demanded. If you love your father and mother, you, you, you are sharing your love with, for your husband with some, some other people. And the people say, okay, if I don't love them, what am I going to do? No, no, no. When you love Jesus with all your heart, listen to this. When you do this simple thing, he will fill you with his love, fill you with his life. And with that love and life he fills you with, you can love those people with it, which is far superior to what you would have loved them with. Far superior. Far. Because remember, he provides us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, you can't love them properly. You love them with a limited love. And enduring them. They're murmuring in your heart. So we leave the world alone and leave our will alone and cling to his own life only. That's marriage. So we, sanctification, dedication, consecration is a very powerful, extremely powerful thing for any Christian who wants to walk in unity with Christ. Very, very powerful. John 4, 7. So humble yourself before God now. Resist the devil because he wants to come and steal your heart and he will flee from you. Come close to God. Church, come close to Jesus. He's, he, he, we are his bride. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That's why the Holy Spirit is still talking about. Is this illustration of marriage that is bringing and saying, look, this is natural thing. In the spirit married with Christ, it's also patterned after this. There has to be loyalty. You can't be loyal to him and loyal to the world. It doesn't work like, like that. It doesn't work like that. Verse 9. Let there be tears for what you have done. You, it's like, it's like uh, adultery. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Well, I thought about repentance, the fruits of repentance. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. And we're going to talk about the thing that makes people not understand salvation and not walk in the power of God. It's all, this is part of it. Lack of reverence for God. I'm telling you, it's part of it. Lack of reverence. Laugh, everything is frivolous. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will not lift you up in honor. And Jesus said, Don't you know I paid a bright price? What you do in the natural, I did too. I paid bright price. First Corinthians 6 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, 
But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body because he uses his body to do it. Sins against his own body. 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You're my wife. Why are you doing this? You're my wife. You're not your own. For you were bought at a price. I paid the dowry. I didn't steal. I paid the dowry. I didn't steal you. You are so important. I came down here and died for you. Paid with my blood for you. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. Talking of marriage to Christ. Now, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, when I was preparing this, something came to my mind. Say, can you imagine a Christian that Christ said, all your body belongs to me. But he uses his mouth to be light. See what our Lord Jesus did in John 8, 28. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. Listen to this. I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak those things. And he who sent me is with me. I'm in pursuit of unity with him. Is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please I'm faithful to him. I'm loyal to him. The grace he gave me is not in vain. The grace he gives us, the pertaining to life and government, all the things he gave us cannot be in vain. It cannot be in vain. He gave it to us to manifest in our lives. John 4, 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I, I, I was listening to John G. Lake, powerful. He was talking about how he began to consecrate himself to the Lord and how his, his experience with the Holy Spirit deepened that he began to move in the realm that is it's not easy to explain to people. Deepened there. Deepened, and a hundred, over a hundred thousand people were healed under his ministry in a short time. And all he did was touch them. He said, "I began to experience the Holy Spirit in a deeper way." And I'm like, "Wow!" My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And faithful to him. It's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. We should be faithful brides to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we should honor him. Because he said that the wife should honor the husband. Now we should honor Christ and honor God. It's vital to pursue oneness with him. One major problem with present day churchgoers is we almost have lost the reverence for God. You see what we do in church when we come? We walk around, make noise. I mean, just, make, just tempting the spirit of God. 
Just think, think doubting God. Just behave in the way if uh, I mean. Ignorance is terrible. It was my pastor that said, he said there is, there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that this generation will never see because they have no respect for him. And if that man says anything, I respect him because I have followed him for years. That's from one thing he said that didn't work out. You may take it, you don't want to take it, but I've not found one. We've lost reverence for God and his word. We have no reverence for our salvation. Do not hold the mystery of God in awe. We do not hold our salvation in awe. But with the prize, that God mystery, a great mystery, that God came here. We, we are, there's no deep appreciation for that. No deep appreciation for that. Timothy 3, 8. Likewise, must the Dickens be grave? Grave. Serious. Grave. Not double-tongued. Not giving too much wine. Not greedy or faithy looker. Holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. You hold the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. Grave. It's a sacred thing, people. Our salvation is a sacred thing. The Bible says great is that mystery. If the Holy Spirit said it's a great mystery, where, where, where does it leave me and you? Don't have a appreciation of what God has done for us. We, we have this disrespectful flippancy when we talk about salvation, talk about God. Very frivolous. Don't hold salvation in very high esteem. Exodus 3.5. And he said, Draw not night hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where thou standest is holy ground. God said, take off your shoes. The, 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 the culture of the time is slaves don't wear shoes. They don't wear shoes. The people that wear shoes are the owners of the land. So God said, take off your shoes to honor me. I'm the master. You, everything bows to me. Take off your shoe, Moses. Not slavery in the terms of catching people and forcing them to be free. No, no. It's a demonstration of the power and almightiness of God. His presence before whom Moses stands. They take off your shoe. And if you go to see a very important person, Take off your shoes. Even in the Middle East, they still do it. You take off your shoes. If you are going to see the Amir or something, you take off your shoes. Take off your shoes, Moses. 
This is holy ground because I'm here. I've said it. Wherever God is, is holy. God is in you. You are holy. I want to remember to take off our shoes all the time. I don't mean physical shoes. I mean bring reverence to him. God demands reverence. I'm telling you one of the reasons that we don't get revelation. I have no reverence for the things of God. I'm telling you, no, we don't have reverence for the things of God. They're preaching the word of God. You see people moving around. You know, our brother called, called me from South, South, South Korea. Pedro. He said, Pastor, here on the wife. He said, Pastor, I went to Young Cho's church. Thousands of people. He said, You will not see any movement like I see in the typical churches from Nigeria, Africa. See, all that time they are preaching, you won't see movement. You won't see movement. And come and see what God is doing. You won't see movement. You want to preach. People are like, that's when they, they're making noise and looking at their phone. And, and you know it's demonic. <laughs> you know it's demonic. Because here you are preaching. Somebody is talking to somebody. Is that the Holy Spirit making you talk to somebody? When the word of God is being preached, it's certain. It wants to distract the preacher. That's what it does. It wants to attack the preacher through you. All of a sudden, you are in the middle chair, you walk up and distract. That's demonic activity. He wants to distract the, the target is the preacher. He wants the preacher to lose concentration. People do this and they don't know what is motivating it. You, you can't, the Holy Spirit cannot make you be talking when the word of God is being preached. Where is this honor? Where is the fear of God? Where is the reverence for God? Where? And we pay a great price for all these things. We walk in ignorance, we walk in it, and we lose. Malachi 1 6. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, A son honors his father, a servant respects the master. master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honors and respect I deserve? We are. We are. Catherine Kuman, I heard of her. She, the, she, the choir, she will inspect them, make sure they are properly dressed. She said, this is, we need to honor Jesus. She, personally, she will inspect them. If you are not properly dressed, no. He said, we are going into the presence of the Almighty God. Everything impeccable. Honor. If the president is coming here, the government will come, tie this road, do this road. How about the almighty God? And then this woman will come in and begin to sing and God start healing a mass. A mass. We go what came into a church and he said, how many of you came in properly? They didn't know what was. He said, how many of you came with praise? You enter his kingdom. Came with praise, with reverence. He said, All of you should leave and come in properly into his presence. Come with reverence. Recognize this here. The whole church left. I'm not talking of 200 people, thousands. They left and started coming. As they were coming in, they were being healed one by one. No prayer, not. <laughs> they were being healed one by one. Isn't this little, little, they are the things that hinder God. 
We are praying and fasting and they you know we are praying Because I'm not foul. <laughs> I'm not foul. If you don't honor me, I won't honor you. Respect, even respect your pastor's self. Honor those people that God called. No, no. Treat them anyhow. Gossip, talk about them. You do all those things. <laughs> all right. Ignorance is dangerous. The day that thing will accumulate for you, you won't even, you won't even identify it. Humility. Meekness. Fear of God will make you know. David said, no, I can't touch this man. I can't. I'm not going to touch him. He's the anointed of the Lord. He said, my father, my father. Oh, God lifted David up himself. Let's, 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 2022, let's honor God and honor Jesus and find reverence for our salvation. Reverence for this sacred plan of God that saved us. Great mystery. And let you and me, because we are his bride, our body belongs to him. If, if I go gossiping, telling lies, he, he paid the price for my body. Look at Romans 6, 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires because they will come. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. Jesus, we are his bride. Completely to God. For you we are dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Jesus destroyed the power of sin. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Moses couldn't bring you freedom. Jesus did. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. How can anybody not want to hear about grace? It's grace that gives. You know, you know, mindless things we do. Oh, we have not shared the grace. Let's share the grace. Share the grace. Have you shared the grace? Yeah, share the grace. And still, you don't want the grace. I mean, you wonder what kind of church. I don't know how to even begin to address it. <laughs> no, not talk of grace. Have we shared the grace? That's hypocrisy. Mindless things we say. This thing we do with songs, mindless songs. Our mind is not there. Every day you share grace. You eat grace. Well, oh, bro, let's share the grace. Well, how did it go? Oh, by the special grace of God. And yet you don't want to hear about grace. What is working in your life? That Romans 6, 14. Sin is no longer your master. For you are no longer, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. You don't need the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. For by grace you are saved. 
not of your works. And by grace, you are preserved. Paul said, it's the grace of God that made me. What? If you don't want the grace, get something else that will make you what you will be. But they will, I want grace. If he made Paul what he, was, what he was, that's what I want. The last point I want to bring to us is to have a hunger for God. To have a hunger and a thirst for Jesus. Let me ask, how about marrying a wife whose only interest is what you can give her and her people? Doesn't have interest in you as a person. But has interest in your money, what you provide. Say, oh, you're a good provider. That is called parasitic relationship. It is not a holy type of relationship. David in Psalm 42 verse 1. At the heart pants and longs for the water brooks. So I pant and long for you. No miracle. You. My heart pants for you God. My inner self thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and behold the face of my God? A hunger for Jesus. A hunger for God. Not the miracles. Not, no, 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 no. A hunger for him. And let me say something. Any Christian who doesn't have a hunger for Jesus will soon backslide. Because the fire will die. And any church, any organization doesn't focus on having a hunger for Christ, pretty soon they will follow. Because the fire will quench. Because now they are worshiping the created instead of the creator. The created has become more important than the creator. That's the reverse. Revelation 2, 2 to 6 says, I know all you have done for me. Yep. You have worked hard, persevered, you go for conferences. I know, I see. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles, prove them, prove they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials, persecutions because of my name. Yet, you have not, yet, you have become discouraged. Yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Oh, you do, you know, you do this. And I see you're working hard, for, you're serving me. Awesome. He said, I love it. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. But you now love the work more than me. And he said, I'm going to take our revelation from you because those things have become your God. Yeah, I like it. I'm wonderful. I commend you for them, but that is not your God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all the heart, with all the mind, with all the, with all the, with all the strength. He didn't say love those things. And he said, think about 
how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence. You're going to backslide. Because you find another God yourself. It's called religion. I've said it. A Christian who doesn't love Jesus is going to slip back into backsliding. And that's why salvation will be easy. Backsliding is a process. Salvation doesn't mean anything to you. You'll be murmuring, complaining about that. He's complaining, murmuring. That's all he did. But he's backsliding gradually. He says, I will remove my lampstand from you. You're not going to see. You don't love me. Oh, you travel all over America for me. Awesome. I love it. In fact, you do night videos. Wonderful, wonderful. He said to Peter, do you love me? Any church, I'm going to say it again. Any church, any group that has made miracles and they, their main thing, and pretty soon they'll backslide. Because miracles are, are done to confirm the gospel that makes you love Jesus. Say, repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. I'm going to remove it. You can do nothing apart from him. All those things you are doing are wonderful, but it derives from him. It derives from loving him. He's the one that guides, strengthens, directs. It derives from him. Jesus said that the world may know that I love my father. He's always talking about loving his father. First love. I went to the dictionary to find out what first love is. First love means the person one loves in a way that leaves an unforgettable experience. That's what it means. First, somebody's first love. Our first love is Christ, because he gave us an unforgettable experience. John, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. He's our first love. Nobody did what he did for us. That's why salvation is key, to understand it. Because in understanding this, you appreciate what he did for you. You, you see his love, practically. We love him because he first loved us. First John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What? That we should be called the sons of God. He held this in awe. Held it at the level of recognition and appreciation. See, what manner of love is this? Never seen anything like this. Can anybody explain this? It's beyond me that I should be called a son of God. Great mystery. That's what I was saying. I said we hold, we, we hold the, 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 the mystery of faith with flippancy, with disrespect. They lose their value. No more revelation coming forth. 
Because we get too used to God. Get too used to God. After I'm anointed. I'm anointed. God is talking to You know why God spoke to Moses? He was very meek. So we need to go back to focus. All of our love on Jesus. Or else we lose the passion. You know, there's no love without passion. They say, oh, man, this man is passionate about what he's doing because he loves it. You know, passion is having an, an, an affection for something. Affection for God. David said, my heart is thirsting for you. God, when can I come and see my God? You are the object of my love. He wrote so many love letters to God. And Paul warned us that if any man does not love the Lord Jesus, he's going to backslide into perdition. It's right here, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, does not have a friendly affection for him, is not kindly disposed towards him, he shall be accursed. Which means he's going to backslide because he's cut himself off from the source. From the source. Jesus said, if you love me, I'll manifest myself to you. And he says, our Lord Jesus, come. That's Paul. He said, if you don't love Jesus, he said, he will remove the lampstand from you. Cut it off and you backslide. Because you have already backslidden. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, where you love one another even as I have loved you. And the Bible says, how can you love one another when you don't love God first? I pray that God will help us to go through these things and learn from them as we start this new year. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege we have to share your word tonight. Trusting you, Lord God of glory, that you teach me too and teach all of us. I too have a lot to learn from this. So that, Lord, we will be in real fellowship with you, in real unity with you, and experience the depth of your glory, the depth of your spirit that we have never seen before, which you are yearning for us, the spirit, because that's what we draw people to you, so that your name will be glorified through us, and our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.